And tonight we're going to be covering 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, this is an awesome chapter, uh, one of my favorite chapters in all the scripture, as a matter of fact. Um, and we're going to dive into it tonight. So, um, so let's briefly recap before we go into it. So in chapters 1, 2, and 3, we see that Paul has been thus far giving uh, like a celebration of faithfulness. He's, uh, he's been encouraged by the reports he has heard about the Thessalonian church. Uh, Timothy came to Paul and told him, you know what, the church is thriving. The church is loving one another. There's great things going on. Um, Pastor Manny talked a little bit about this last week. And, and Paul's like, awesome, that's awesome. But there were also a couple of things that needed to be addressed. Uh, and a, a few questions that the Thessalonians had. And so we see here in chapter 4 that um, Paul changes his language a little bit. Now, rather than uh, being encouraged, I mean, he's still encouraging, but now it's more of a challenge. And Paul, we're going to see that Paul is going to start challenging the Thessalonian church, the church of Thessaly, to uh, be a holy and a sanctified church. And so let's go ahead and dive in. But first, let's go before the Lord in prayer. So, <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, and we thank you for your Spirit. And it is you, Holy Spirit, who we ask tonight that you open our spiritual eyes, that you give us discernment, Lord, to understand your word and to learn from it what you want us to learn from it. Be with us tonight as we study, and we give you praise, and we give you glory, and we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So welcome again, everyone. We're going to read uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, and uh, we're going to see that this is kind of, this chapter is kind of divided into two parts. And so we'll go ahead and cover the first part, and then we'll cover the second part, and we'll kind of tie it all, tie it all in in the beginning. So right now we're going to read chapter. I'm sorry, verses one through twelve, and then later on we'll address uh, verses thirteen through eighteen. Finally, then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do more so, that you do so more and more. In other words, not become complacent. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgresses <coughs> excuse me, and wrong his brother in this manner. Because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to impurity, but to holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God 
who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that is indeed what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you, so that you may walk properly before outsiders and depend on no one. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So we see that one of the, um, some of the key words that keep surfacing up here are sanctification and holiness. Uh, and these are two very important uh, things that we need in the life of a believer. So what is holiness? Holiness is the biblical definition of holiness is being set apart for God. So when we're being holy, we're setting ourselves apart from God. We're abstaining from sin. And we're seeking the Lord and trying to become more and more like Him and imitate Him. Paul said, you know, be imitators of Christ. That is what it is to be holy. To set our side, uh, ourselves aside for Jesus. And sanctification is the process of becoming holy. So, sanctification is that. It's a process. And so, uh, how many of you guys came to the Lord um, and you remember that? Uh, the first couple of weeks after you came to the Lord, you were, you know, you were still full of maybe hatred. I don't know what emotions you might have been experiencing. Experiencing, you might have been full of still of greed, of anguish over something, of uh, full of pain. You might have been still using a cuss word here and there. Um, but as you sought the Lord, as you dove into His Word, as you prayed, as you fellowshiped with your brothers at church, you started changing. The Spirit started moving you, and you started becoming more and more like Jesus. You started swearing less. That anguish started turning into joy. That anger, that hatred started turning into gratitude. That right there, brothers, is the process of sanctification. And that is what Paul is mentioning here. Don't strive, you know, to be complacent. Don't just say, come to, you know, don't just come to the Lord. But walk more and more. Become more like Jesus. And specifically, Paul here is addressing the issue of sexual immorality. And I, I kind of want to focus on this a little bit, um, on this example. Uh, because Paul must have been, you know, he must have been hearing that there was some sexual immorality going on in the church. And if you study the Greco-Roman society, which is the society where the Thessalonians were, um, homosexuality and all these other uh, sexual and moral things were commonplace. It was very common uh, back in those times. And so some of those were filtering into the church. And so Paul here is saying, brothers, don't let that happen. Because marriage... 
and sexuality are one of the most important things that God um, that God created for us. And any aberration from that will be a sin. <clears throat> so marriage, for example, marriage. There's there's four words in Greek for love, right? Um, we have storge, which is a protective love, like the love of a parent. Um, a good example from scripture would be like uh, that proverb that says, "Who the who the Lord loves, he he uh, he chastises." So that's like protective love, the love of a parent, something like that. Um, the other love that is mentioned in scripture is philos. Uh, phileos, some people pronounce it differently, but this is the love uh, between brothers, between sisters, between friends, and uh, we see an example of this in our English language, for example, um, the word Philadelphia, the city, Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Um, the third one that is mentioned uh, frequently in scripture is Eros, and this is the one that we see here, sexual love, erotic love, is where we get our English word erotica from. And and this is uh, sexual love. And finally, we have what is probably most common, which is agape uh, love or agape love, which is God's unconditional love towards us. That's the ultimate love. And what's interesting to me, church, is that Marriage is the only institution where these four words come into play at once. And so if you take any one out of the equation, the marriage begins to suffer. And so here in this case, Paul is addressing sexual immorality. So if um, Eros is manipulated or if Eros is taken out of the equation, the marriage suffers a lot. So for example, uh, God intended marriage to be between a man and a woman. That is the biblical definition of marriage. And so if one changes arrows, so if it's a man and a man instead of a woman and a woman, the one cannot procreate. And that was not God's intention for marriage. And vice versa, a woman with a woman. That's just not right. And so that is what Paul is addressing here. Uh, he's saying church do not conform to, um, don't conform to what the Gentiles are doing. You must be holy. You must be pure for God. We see uh, in Romans where uh, Paul says a key verse. He says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what is pleasing and acceptable to God. And so, how do we become sanctified? How do, how, uh, how do we remove these thoughts if we have them? And, and this doesn't just have to be with, uh, with anything that has to do with arrows. This can be with anything, right? This can be with, if we're battling depression, if we're battling anxiety, if we're battling anything, the Lord wishes to take that away because that's not living a holy life. If we're struggling with greed, if we're struggling with jealousy, if we're struggling with pride, those things 
The Lord wants to purify. He doesn't want them for us, of course, right? He wants to be sanctified. It's a process. It's a process. And so um, that is what the Lord is calling us, to be holy before him. Uh, and so let's go on to the second half of the chapter, and then we're going to tie it all in. And so, uh, verse 13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive who are left until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of a trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. This church, this is powerful. This is what we know as the blessed hope. The blessed hope, the hope that Jesus is going to come for us one day, that he's going to return, that he didn't just leave his orphans, but that he's coming back for his church to take us into heaven with him so that we may dwell with him forevermore. So this chapter is what we will call it an eschatological chapter. Eschatology, if you don't know what eschatology means, it comes from the Greek eschatos. There's a lot of Greek going on today, huh? Eschatos, which means uh, final or the end. So the, it's the study of the end times. And so here we're seeing um, that Paul is addressing uh, what's going to happen to us when, uh, when the end comes, when the Lord returns. Because a lot of people, uh, a lot of the Thessalonian church was passing away, uh, probably because of martyrs. We know there was intense persecution going on um, everywhere, uh, and the Thessalonians suffered a lot because of it. And so a lot of people were, uh, were being killed, you know, they were being martyred. And so... Uh, Many were asking, what happens when we pass away, Paul? What's going to happen? What's going on? And so Paul is saying, uh, this is what's going to happen. And he uses imagery that would have been appealing, uh, or that not, not necessarily appealing, but that the Thessalonians would have understood. Because remember, the, um, the Thessalonian church lived in a Greco-Roman society, uh, and they were... They were controlled by the Romans, uh, just as Israel was, just as Jesus was. Um, and so the Romans had a, ha had a habit of holding this big, massive parade called a triumph every time uh, that one of their generals won the victory. And so when, uh, uh, when these triumphs would happen, there will be... A, a lot of trumpets, there'll be a lot of fanfare, there'll be a lot of heralds uh, screaming, you know, hail uh, Caesar, hail whoever the emperor was. 
And so uh, Paul is essentially saying here, well, if that's a triumph, imagine how much greater the return of the Lord will be, who is the King of Kings and who is the Lord of Lords. And then he proceeds to uh, to explain how this is going to happen. And so this is what we know as a rapture. Um, so when the Lord returns for us, what's going to happen is, let's look at verse 16. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of a trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So Jesus is going to come back. He's not going to touch ground on earth, but he's going to enter the atmosphere. And so when he enters the atmosphere, you're going to, um, the dead in Christ are going to hear these trumpets. They're going to hear this fanfare. They're going to be like, the Lord is here. And they're going to be raised up. And they're going to be caught in the clouds. The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be got will be caught uh, up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So right after they're caught up, then us who remain, uh, if the Lord comes in our lifetime, right, then we're going to be uh, snatched up into the air right after them. And this is what is known as the rapture church. And, and this is, uh, it's also known as the blessed hope. It's one of our key foundations. Um, because how many of you guys want to go to heaven? Because I know I do. I sure don't want to stay after what's going to happen afterwards. Because afterwards is what we know as the Great Tribulation. So the Great Tribulation is a period of seven years in which there's going to be great war. There's going to be great famine, great pestilence, and... Um, if you ever read the book of Revelation, you'll see that uh, it, it, it gets quite scary. The wrath of God will be poured out. And I, for one, don't want to stay for that. And so how many of you guys are grateful that the Lord is going to snatch us up before all that happens? Um, there are some people who believe that the, that the rapture will happen after the tribulation, but uh, we're not going to get into that. We, um, the Bible is quite explicit that uh, that the Lord is going to come before, and so I am super grateful for that, and that's really important, church, because we don't know when the rapture is going to happen, you know. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, says, no one knows the day or the hour, not even myself. In other words, Jesus and the Holy Spirit don't even know when God the Father is going to send them down. So it can be at any moment, church, and we have to be ready. And that's the importance. That's why it's so important to be holy, because we don't know when Christ is going to come back. Jesus said, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. You're not going to know it. And so, church, this is why it's so important, so important to be holy. So important to be holy.
Because we don't know when Christ is going to return. And that's why we have to go out and preach the gospel to those who don't know Jesus. Because we don't know if the Lord's going to return in five minutes, five days, five weeks, five months, five years, five centuries, five millennia. We don't know. And so the Bible's constantly telling us to be watchful, to be alert. Um, and if we study eschatology further, we see that there are many signs that Jesus gives us in Matthew chapter 24. There's also many signs in the book of Revelation, in the book of Daniel. If you have read them, you know, and if you don't, I encourage you to read them. Um, there's going to be war, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be so many things. And what are we seeing right now in the world? We see that the love of many is growing cold. We see all these rumors going on about things that are going to happen. We see the current situation in Afghanistan, for example. We see all the deterioration in, the mora uh, in morality that's going on in our country. And these are all signs that the Lord has already given us. So church, I firmly believe we're living in the last days. I firmly believe that these events that Paul is mentioning right now are going to happen very soon. Very soon. We see, um, if, if you know me, you know I'm a historian. And I was reading a, a statistic the other day from a professor in Stanford <clears throat> who said that in the 20th century, more people died of war and of famine than in the previous 19 combined. So that's that's crazy. That says something right there about biblical prophecy. All the signs that the Lord uh, pointed to are coming to pass. And so church, we need to be watchful. We need to be vigilant. We need to strive to live a holy life a sanctified life so that we may achieve the blessed hope when the Lord returns. So that when the Lord calls our name, when he calls roll, just like the professor does at school, we'll hear our name and we'll be able to lift our hands, say, Lord, here I am. And the Lord will say, well done, good and faithful servant. How many of you guys want to be that good and faithful servant? I want to say, I want to, I want the Lord to, say that and I want to be with pride and joy when the Lord says that to me so church let's live a sanctified life how do we live a sanctified life by seeking him by day diving into his word as I mentioned earlier um, as Paul mentions be transformed by the renewing of your mind through your word because you see when we read the word the word purifies us. It's like a double-edged sword, as Hebrew says. It penetrates into our hearts. It convicts us. It tells us what is right, what is wrong. And that church is how we are constantly renewed. And when we pray, the Lord speaks to us. When we seek the Lord, the Lord comes to us and He's like, Son, this was okay. Son, this was bad. You, you need to change this, okay? Change your attitude in this. Change the way you act in here. Change this, change that, tweak. 
Let the potter mold you. Amen. Let him sanctify you. Pray, seek the Lord. So that when the Lord comes, we'll be able to answer. Amen. So church, that is all I have for you this evening. Um, I hope you were blessed by the word. A couple of announcements before we go. Uh, the Rock will be meeting tomorrow, uh, I believe, the, the 26th, uh, in person. So you can go ahead uh, um So the rock is meeting tomorrow for, uh, for the first time in a good minute um, at 7 p.m. in Legacy Hall. So uh take your kids make sure that you wear a mask uh covid protocols will be enforced um but it's, it's awesome to see that little by little we're uh we're gathering coming back together um so all you take all your teenagers there uh the rock is going to be meeting tomorrow it's going to be an awesome time uh also if you don't know our church uh, app has already launched. And so I encourage you all to go to your Apple Store, to your Google Play Store, or to, uh, to your Amazon account and download the church app. You can do so many things through your church app. Uh, you can, uh, if you go, you can uh, see the live streams, like this one, for example, or on Sundays. You can see the bulletins. You can see all kinds of announcements. You can give if that if doing electronically is uh, your preferred choice. Um, you can watch past sermons. Uh, you can see announcements. Um, there's so many things you can do through the church app. So I really, really suggest you download it, plug in. Uh, it, it's an awesome way to plug into what's going on here at the mission. And lastly, uh, the school year is starting back up. So uh, this Sunday, we're going to be holding a special prayer uh, in the middle of uh, our Sunday services. So bring your kids, bring your teenagers. Uh, if you're a college student, come on over. Um, don't miss out. We're going to be uh, handing out a pastoral blessing to all our kids. Uh, so that God will illuminate their minds throughout the school year and protect them during uh, this pandemic season. And I think that's all the announcements we have. So church, uh, God bless you all. I hope you were blessed. Let's, uh, let's be holy. Let's live a sanctified life. And let's, uh, let's pray to dismiss. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you. We worship you. We praise you for all that you've done and for that, all that you're doing in our lives, Lord. We know that we're not perfect. But we also thank you, Lord, that you're not fair. You're just, but you're not fair. Because if you were fair, we would have gone to hell. And your son would not have died for us. But you are just and you are righteous, Lord. And because of that love, you came and you saved us. 
And now, Lord, out of gratefulness, we want to become more like you. Help us to become more like you. Holy Spirit, work in our lives. We are the clay and you are the potter, Lord. We are yours, Father. Transform us and mold us into the people that you want us to be, Lord, for your kingdom and for your glory. We love you, Lord. We praise you and we give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name, amen.